podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. What have we got for you this week? We have got, we got a, the, the sort of weirdest butcher. fucking patron section of all time, probably, eh? <laughs> we have a very weird patron section. Um, so patrons have enjoyed the weirdness of that. And then also uh, for the the quite, quite nice, nice and cheap sum of $2 per month, they've also enjoyed a commentary that myself and Ian did of uh, Chris Nolan's debut following. Why are you staring at me? I always stare at your lights like now. Following are the adventures of Creepy Bill, as we said it should have been called <laughs> halfway through yeah. it. <laughs> nice. um, Creepy so, Bill. Yeah, so Patreon slash Film Bastards, there we go, there's the first plug for that of the day. Um, uh, what else have we got? We have, well, I get, we've got I, I think a really solid show here, but yeah. it, it, it's a weird mix, because there's, as I'm sure you all know, listeners, not a lot out at the moment on anything <laughs> at all um and last week was a pretty barren one so we threw in some what is it some oddities there so we're going to cover uh the itunes 99p rents of the week peanut butter falcon um a we really looked out on that one didn't we yeah it could have been yeah. any old shape um a it kind of does a a bit of an indie darling that never quite seemed to get the the push that it may be should have. Should have. Mm. Uh, which we'll talk about later on. We're also going to talk uh, Exorcist 3, which was a first time watch for you, I believe, Becky. One you, is this one you actually believed me on that I've not seen before? No, I still don't believe you. But <laughs> it was a first time watch for you. Uh, I think myself and Ian covered it when we did the Exorcist movies once. Right. Um, and uh, Phantasm, which I think was a first watch for all of us, which is why we decided to do it. Um, we are going to cover some of the movies that we mentioned last week. Uh, in the coming weeks. We're having a uh, Becky's yeah. Choice show next week. I want Becky to pick another one for us to talk about. 
Oh, fucking hell. Okay, I'll have a think. Have a think. Have a think before the end of the episode. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so we'll have more there, plus the iTunes went up. But that's next week. Let's get down to this week. Uh, has anything happened in the news, Ian? Well, um, New Zealand have announced that they're um, allowing film production to resume. Um, and I, I believe the Czech Republic as well. So... I think we could probably look forward to uh, Bruce Willis or Nicolas Cage starring in some fucking Eastern European made low budget treats to come um, over the coming months. I'm sure Um, I'm I'm sure Bruce is already winging his way over to the Czech Republic and, um, you know, the Avatar films can start filming again. So there's that. Um, Yay. Yeah, quite. It, it, I don't know. It, it seems like the the gears are whirring for some places, uh, not necessarily um, not necessarily here, not necessarily most of the US. I think the next couple of weeks is going to be critical for the US because I can see um, shit going down. Trump just closing everything off again and then saying it wasn't him who told everybody to open back up. <laughs> yeah, the, the the inevitably predictable. Yeah, 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 not quite. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, it's weird because like, we're st- there, there are still like kind of like casting announcements and shit going on. So like, Kate Blanchett has been cast as a character in Eli Roth's Borderlands adaptation. Um, That's and I mean, like, very interesting. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, like, to be fair, Kate Blanchett's got prior with um, Eli Roth, um, you know, the house with a clock in its walls. So she obviously gets on with the guy enough, um, which is which is fun. Is um, Roth? Yeah. No. Torch upon Eli Roth. It is, yeah. He, 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 it does seem a little bit. Um, I, I, I do think that Eli Roth's little turn where he's where he's decided to to grow up. Um, I, I, I think you can thank uh, Ian for that. <laughs> yeah. Because what was that earthquake movie that he made? Oh, Aftershock? Aftershock, yeah. We reviewed that, and I remember you being incredibly angry. I was quite angry about it, but you were incredibly angry and basically told Eli Roth to grow the fuck up. <laughs> and then after that, he started being quite a little bit grown up, actually. <laughs> Eli and Vin both listen to us. Yeah. It's Hollywood personalities with three-letter first names who um, <laughs> appear to um, flock to us, and you are all welcome. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, he, uh, I think he, I want to say he co-wrote that and produced it, and some fucking bell end that you've never heard of again directed it. Um, and yeah, I mean, so he did the house with a clock in its walls and something else in the same year. It wasn't Knock Knock. No, Death Wish. Um, oh, so, yeah, so, Death Wish. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, he's kind of bouncing around all over the place. But, I mean, hey, if I if I was going to, uh, like, make a video game adaptation of Bo- Borderlands, I, I mean, a film adaptation of Borderlands, which is basically, like, a Mad Max aesthetic kind of post-apocalyptic video game, I think Eli Roth's as good a choice as any for that. Um, and I mean, Lionsgate as well. I've obviously got trust in, uh, trusted him to give him that project. I was thinking they did the house with a clock in its walls, but it wasn't. I mean, like that, that fucker was an Amblin film, uh, which is mind blowing. Um, yeah. Why not Eli Roth? Fuck it. 
you know, I, like at least it's not a no-name jobber you've never fucking heard of before. You know, um, it's not the guy who directed Bloodshot. You know, like who I'm, I'm fairly sure is not a real person. Or um, <laughs> Louis Leterrier. Yeah, no, quite. Yeah, and speaking of whom, Louis Leterrier, is, it's been announced, is going to direct Bright Two. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you know that you know that Bright Two is going to have half the fucking budget and none of the stars. <laughs> I, I I I think they're both back. Um, oh. which is mental. Um, I mean, just like so bright. I remember like it feels like that film was ten years ago, but it was like a big. It's Netflix's first hundred million dollar film, and they got David Ayer to write and direct it, starring Will Smith. Will Smith in a Netflix film. Wow. And now it's like Will Smith in a Netflix film. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, of course. It's like, all right, cool. Yeah, Will Smith is is still a lister based on name, maybe not what he can bank nowadays. Mm. But it's they've had so many other a listers now in their movies that it's like will smith it doesn't really register as much anymore no 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 i mean it's fascinating um it, 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 yeah i mean will smith i mean he's got um you know i think it just got delayed into 2021 but king richard which is um him playing the father of serena and venus williams um i i want to see will smith go for obvious oscar play Again, which is what that is, because I kind of wonder whether this might be the time. Like, do I want to see Will Smith win an Oscar? Yes, I do. Yeah. I Will Smith on the campaign trail, just fucking begging for an Oscar. I will watch that. <laughs> the thing is, it last time when he did it, it, it felt a little bit. It, it felt a little bit desperate. It just will again. And it, but it, but but the problem the problem he made with it is he went down the wrong route and he tried to win a Best Actor mm. Academy Award. So he had to be the only star of the movie. Yeah. Because there could be no focus taken away from him. And he went down that route. He did a lot of uh, sentimental And it was all sentimental well, crap. And yeah. it was a bit like, do you know what? That it, that doesn't work. Mm. Whereas with sort of now, it, it kind of feels like, is he going, do you know what? I'm just going to make shit now. And if it lands, it lands. He's remembered his Will Smith a little bit. Mm. Yeah, 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 quite. I mean, it, I, is he a really good actor, though. Really? I think he's a really good actor. Yeah, I think he always has been a really good actor. Yeah. Is Oscar? Is Oscar worthy of some of the fucking dolts that fucking well, win that's it? That's true. Yeah. Eddie Raybans has got one. Ugh. Ugh. Uh, other other news. Um. Literally everybody that is in the new Batman movie has come out this week to tell us that it's really dark. <laughs> yeah, really dark. It's going to be really dark. This is the darkest Batman movie we've had so far. Is this the Arpats one? Yeah. I'm very much looking forward to it. I wish people would stop telling me it's going to be dark. It's dark. I mean, they're all pretty dark. <laughs> That's it. It's not a light-hearted it's not story, is it, really? No. I mean... The Adam West ones, they're not so dark. Yeah, they're not. They're not. They're not as dark. Yeah, that's a TV series mostly, isn't it? Yeah. What if the Adam West Batman actually had like a like a backstory episode, ever? Or was it just launched into pow bow? It launched it a pow bow. Okay. Yeah. So, 
nobody nobody needs a dark story involving a bat at the moment, do they? But um. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, um. So yeah. No. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, like things seem to be getting announced. Um. But again, at the same time, it's like, well, when the fuck are things actually going to be allowed to be filmed again? Um. I mean, I'm already dreading the like this film was entirely shot using Zoom shit <laughs> that we're probably going to get in the next six to twelve months. You mean Steven Soderbergh's third film next year? <laughs> oh god, yeah, 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 yeah. No, exactly. Um, it's I don't know, man. Like, it just. To be fair, that film's already happened, really, hasn't it? That was that group chat one. Oh, unfriended. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, you... on the group chat thing. I watched that. Yeah, Contagion 2, Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it, it's, I'm already dreading fast forward a few years to when somebody tries to make a coronavirus movie. Um, you know it's not going to be somebody good. <laughs> no, and I mean, like, it, 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 it's like after 9-11, you had that kind of like spate of 9-11 films and none of them really hit because nobody wants to see a film about like something that hit that close to home and that just so like so many people were affected by it i mean united 93 was a reminder that soon after something horrific had happened no exactly you know i mean like in 20 years time when you've got like a lot of people like a lot of people who like won't even remember it being around then you know maybe fair enough but i don't know i mean like lottie said to me the other day like and actually today she just turned to me and she said daddy the coronavirus is the biggest thing that's ever happened in my life and it was like yeah, yeah. you know i mean it's a very profound thing for a six-year-old to say kid but yes yes it is um you know and it, it nobody no one is gonna want to be reminded of it no right. one is um you know for the next few years at the oscars i think the films that will do really well are going to be the more uplifting ones are going to be the more populist ones and yeah uh, you know that's a- absolutely why not you know um because when was the last time a comedy won best picture yeah quite i mean if if la la land was coming out this year it would probably win 15 oscars yeah. you know it's got a really depressing ending does it yeah, I think it does. You read them the whole way through the film and then they don't end up together. Yeah, but, I but don't know. That, that makes sense. But they end up, they end up kind of getting what they want, and they were just like two two people who had a very special thing together, and it kind of propelled both of them to do what they wanted to do in life. It's bittersweet. I don't, I, I wouldn't say it's depressing. Well, I think I'm, I'm totally mansplaining there, Bex. I'm so sorry. What's that? I'm, I, I. I just kind of realised how fucking mansplainy that was, and I'm really sorry. Like, it's, I, it, I don't really remember the film, but I, I remember being unhappy with the ending. I think is it maybe because it, it they're both exposed as being really quite selfish people, and they follow their selfish shit. You don't like Emma Stone. I didn't like it. No, well, that weird fangs freaked me out. Um, I think you really need to rewatch it. It's really an absolute I delight really of a movie. I really didn't like. Well, I'm going to make you rewatch it this week. <laughs> just, just their shits and gigs. Come watch it once I've been forced back to work. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, this week is going to be crucial. Like, uh, apparently, this week, Warners will decide what they're going to do with Tenet. 
And um, if that moves, then you would have to assume that Mulan moves as well. And then the next thing is Wonder Woman 1984, which should be my birthday film. Um, and that feels a very, very long time away. Um, <laughs> I think if, if you go to IMDb at the moment and check out the uh, coming up section or what's new releases, like the third movie along is is Wonder Woman. And it's like three months away. Hmm. I mean, you, I, I wonder if, um, if Tenet and Mulan do get pushed, whether they start pushing the buttons on putting some more stuff out on premium video on demand. Um, yeah, because I mean, it was interesting, I think, that in the past week, the New Mutants uh, has appeared for pre-order on things. Yeah, accidentally, apparently, <laughs> though. It was, yeah, it was... It was subsequently pulled, but uh, you you have to wonder. Because um, nobody tried to buy it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, no, but I mean, yeah, just, yeah, quite. But I mean, you, you you have to wonder whether, like, look, if stuff just continues getting pulled, do they put that out? The uh, the next Purge film that's due out in July, Universal pretty trigger happy with putting stuff on premium video on demand. Do they put that um, put that out? You know, it's it, it, we. I, I think we're going to get to the point where studios are going to be a little bit like we just need to make a fuckload of money on this while people are still stuck indoors. Because otherwise, you're going to get into that weird hinterland where not everybody's stuck indoors, but the cinemas aren't open. And then it's like, well, what do they do there then? You know, um, as soon. I mean, it, it 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 kind of already feels like the lockdowns fucked here anyway um especially over the last few days um so are people actually going to be stuck indoors even if they're told they're supposed to um i i I wonder if studios will get a little bit flighty there as well it'll be fascinating i mean i i i still despite some conversations i had with a couple of people on twitter this week i still maintain that if cinemas are open in july they are establishing good social distancing policies i am prepared to go to the cinema um you know if 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 it's if it's as likely that i would get coronavirus going to tesco as it would me going to the cinema then you know i i i wonder what or going to or, or spending the day in the office let's let's say that you know if i'm spending eight hours a day in the office um Yes, I think I'd feel comfortable spending a couple of hours in the cinema. The thing is, oh, the thing is, I think with that is, I feel with the fact that I have a unlimited card there, and I could go and if I got there, got my ticket, went in, sat down, and people came in and was, I was like, right, no, this don't fucking feel right. I know I could get up and walk the fuck out. Mm. That yeah. I mean, that's exactly it. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if cinemas, at least for like the first week or two, are a little bit like, look, if you want to leave at any time because you're feeling uncomfortable, sure, we'll give you a refund. You know, like, I, I wonder if there will be that kind of thing. But as I think we said last week, if people are pre-booking concessions, if the ticket system is contactless, um, you know, if like literally seats are taped off in a way which means that people would not sit like, sit at them even if it was even if they weren't going to sit in their allocated space 
you know i you know they'll be checking i'm sure they'll be checking the screens constantly i i would like to think that people would be respectful enough of other people of going i'm gonna sit quite far away and if not that the cinema staff would feel backs up enough to walk in and say hey you need to move or get the fuck out you know it's there are a lot of it'd be three seats you reckon i would think um I would think what they'll do is they'll the, the idea I think is to have every other row on there. Yeah, but then you can't have people next to each other on the row. What I read was was at every other row ordered split rows, so you'd have, for instance, four seats on row A, hmm. and then the rest of it would be closed. You'd have like the rest of it would be closed off. So one, two, three, four would be open on row A. And then um, seven, eight, nine, ten would be open on row B, and then it'd stagger back like that. So you'd have a two or three seats where channel where it basically ran up what no one was sat on, mm. and then you'd have it staggered like that. Right. That would be the the most logical way to to do it because then you you can have groups of people. But obviously, if you if we wouldn't be able to go sit down next to each other and have three randomers sat down next to us. No. It would be set off into that into four blocks and you essentially, you get your own little four block and it runs like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean the, 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 the ticketing system would be done in such a way that like it would, it, I, I'm sure it would basically be, look, it's going to be online bo- booking only to start with. Like, I, I can't imagine they're going to have any of the fucking touchscreens going. Um, and and the ticketing system will be done in such a way that as soon as you book, like say your two, it will block off the two seats around you. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it, it like it, it so it, it basically enforces that. Um, and then when it comes like in the cinema, if you get some fucking bell end who decides to be a prick and sits by you, then you go out, you show your fucking ticket, and then they get security to move them out. Yeah. I mean, could you could you get some cunts who will like then like start coughing at people? Yeah, maybe, but you could probably get that anywhere. Yeah, that that that's it. You know, you you, you unfortunately you can get it anywhere, but I just think that there's there's ways that can that can deal with it. You, you're gonna have that risk, you know, in, in everyday anything, life. Yeah. You, there's there's got to be a point. Again, what we, what we are stressing here is if it is safe to do stuff. Hmm. It is you're gonna get that point where everything has to start at some point, not hmm. necessarily within the next couple of weeks, but within the next couple of months, everything's gonna have to hopefully start coming back into force. Yeah. Um, and there's gonna be all these questions before it, and there's gonna be a well, what if this? And it's like right, yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of this is going to be right. You have to deal with that when it happens. Yeah, quite. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. I, mean, I don't know. It just I just maintain that if offices are open and you are being asked to like maintain social distancing within your office for seven hours a day, frankly, I'm not then super pleased about people saying to me, well, you know, how dare you suggest that you go back to the cinema and put people's life, other people's lives in, put your own family's life in danger. Um, no i will be back in the office at least a couple days of the week by july i'm i'm pretty much guaranteed of that you guys 
may well be back in your work workplaces in some form. Um, you know, I am it, up on Tuesday. Fucking out, really? Yeah. Yep. Jesus, wow. And so there you go, then. You know, so yes, all right, fine. If you want to stay at the cinema more than I want to go back to work. Yeah, straight. <laughs> no, I mean that. That's it. And it's like, if if you want to stay at home. That's absolutely that's absolutely fine. And if you think you're doing the right thing there, that's cool. If I'm being made to go back into the office and I am given the chance to as safely as possible go to the cinema, I'm going to the cinema. Yeah. You know, if it was right, well, no, I'm I'm you know, I am staying at home because I'm not prepared to go to the office, then I don't think I could then turn around and say, well, yes, I'm still going to go to the cinema and do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. I am set. Like my whole thing at the moment is basically if they expand out, and this must be boring for people, but we're nearly done. If they expand out the household bubble thing, and it means that my in-laws who are under 70 and do not have underlying health conditions are able to watch Lottie, then yes, I would go back into the office. If I'm asking people to go back into the office, I'm going to do that myself. I would never ask someone to do something like in work, something that I'm not prepared to do myself. I would yeah. never do that. I would I would leave the company before doing that. Um, so I just thought the same, wouldn't it? No, I mean that 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 yeah, you know, I mean that yeah, quite. But it, it's you know, I, I I had to say to my guys today, like we are. You know, these discussions are being had. If people are unable to work from home, then we are base we are classing that as you can't work from home. You have to come into the office. You know, um, you know, uh, there's um, one person who, bless her, can't figure out how to turn a firewall off on her broadband, and she can't get hold of the com of the company to actually tell her how to do it. So we're having to say to her look, you might have to go into the office because I'm not too sure we can continue paying you if we can get you into the office in a way that the government says is safe and you can't work from home. You know, so I can work from home, but I and I can like I can do a full day at home, no problem. But if any of my team are going to the office and there is childcare for Lottie, then I will go into the office as well. You know, so if people are then going to have a go at me for saying, yes, OK, I will go to the cinema. I, I do. I do take exception to that. You know, um, anyway, I can't believe you're going back into the office on Tuesday. Bex, that feels that 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 feels quick, uh, just considering the fact that Johnson's only announcing this stuff tonight. Yeah. Probably better not say anything too much. About yeah, it. no, it no. Fair enough. Anyone listens, but trailers. There's actually the fucking so. trailers. <laughs> Go on, Bex. Oh, it was so exciting. I got a notification on my on my Facebook the other day because I follow Movie Web on, on there and it was like, the new trailer for Shirley is made available. I was like, fucking hell, there's a new trailer. And then I went on YouTube and there's three. Very exciting. Go on, <laughs> um, so yeah, the, the, have you have you watched them? We, we, we've done the King of Staten Island, Shirley and Becky. Have you watched any of those, Ian? Uh, King of Staten Island. I I meant to watch Shirley and Becky before the podcast, but then I had to book a flight. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Shirley one. I I don't know. I'm interested enough in that it's about Shirley Jackson, 
I don't like Elizabeth Moss. So that I, doesn't help. I don't mind Elizabeth Moss. I'm just, I, I feel like we're, she's been pushed upon us a little bit. Yeah. yeah, she's not as great as people make her out to be. But her performance has been kind of lauded. When was the last Elizabeth Moss performance that wasn't lauded that you didn't feel a little bit like going... That one was great as people made out. Fine. Yeah. Well, to yeah. be fair, she could probably win Best Actress for The Invisible Man at the moment, so... God, I hope not. No, I mean, she won't, but, it, you know, just considering <laughs> the amount of eligible I, I, films I, I, that there I, are. What I'd say is, I wouldn't I would count against it at the moment. <laughs> yeah, a nomination, yeah. She could win that, and of course, we've got our Mark Wahlberg <laughs> for Best Actor. What's that called again? Spencer Confidential. That was it. Still waiting for the sequel to be announced to that. So, what, what, Colin, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, don't care. It starts with a cello, <laughs> right? Which, is, like I said to you before, has replaced the single piano chord as the generic start of every single trailer. Uh, it, 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 it looks by the numbers. I disagree that it looks by the numbers. It does. It looks by the numbers. Right. Do you remember a few years ago when Franco was doing all this type of stuff, and it was just churning out like four or five movies a year. And it was like, so he could look like he was doing shitloads. And then when you actually watched him, it was just like, they were all fine. Not everyone was great, they were all just fine. You quite liked Invisible Man. I think that's was fine, yeah. I, I, and I'm looking forward to, at some point, watching her smell, the punk one she did. Yeah. yeah. But, but this, it, it, it looks dull. The, the main character looks incredibly fucking smug, and I can't, that is something that will turn me and you know and then when you compare it to the other film of a female name which is um so ian what do you know about becky the movie (laughs) literally all i know about becky the movie is kevin james going dark which i'm I'm quite here for it i'm I'm sad i didn't watch the trailer kevin james plays a neo-nazi yeah. Fucking, that's he, he good casting. Tattooed on his head. All right. Yeah, it's the it's uh, Lulu Wilson, um, the I was gonna say the, the the little girl from Annabelle and um, Ouija, the sequel to Ouija, who oh, yeah. is now actually not the little girl because she's like twenty or something now. I know she's still like fifteen. Um, she's in Haunting of Hill House. Well. Uh, um, and uh, Joel McHale. Uh, this looks really fucking fun. I mean, fun's probably like. This looks really fucking fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it seems to me she plays a kid who is um, defending her family There's by. There's a character in it on here called Happy Son. By taking out uh, these neo Nazis, but really enjoying it. <laughs> Like, really enjoying being super violent. <laughs> yeah. I'm like an extreme Home Alone. Yeah, like like like, like Home Alone, but, but with a sociopath that they sent her off. Yeah. yeah it I, does look really fucking good. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I expect it to be um, to be on VOD, like, in three weeks' time. Aww. I'm sorry. This movie, this movie doesn't need to be at a cinema. You can drop this on VOD. It feels uh, like one that if they released it during lockdown, it would get an awful lot of press. Yeah. Because like people are gagging for content, and that sounds like some fucking content. 
yeah, it just sounds like it's going to be fun. It's an hour and a half of just a bit of crazy violence and people going, Kevin James, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I would like, I would like a Kevin James Zoom conversation where, um, where Adam Sandler talks to him about his character, but frames it like the actor's studio. <laughs> um, King of Staten Island. This is coming to VOD next month. Yeah, UK as well, isn't it? It, it is a proper, like, a proper it's universal proper, job. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's proper full... Um, it, it's just coming to VOD. It's not, I don't think it's a rent, I think it's a buy. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, what do you think this one here? Um, if, if it wasn't directed by Judd Apatow, I'm not entirely sure how interested I'd be in it. Um, Pete Davidson is not a... I mean, I, I I very much didn't like the way that he was, you know, treated like that whole kind of like, is he suicidal? Is he not? Oh, and also, have you seen the girls that he's hooking up with? How the fuck's that happening? He's Pete Davidson. Like that dichotomy was bizarre. But at the same time, I still don't think I particularly want to see him in films. Um, it, you know, it, it just, I I don't really get him. And I'm hoping that the King of Staten Island proves me wrong there. Um, I mean, it's it's a great cast around him. So um, my, my, I'll be very, very worried if it's over 130 minutes. I'll I was just about to say something to you, Ian. I was just about to say, you're going to be very worried when I tell you how long it is. Go on. Yeah. It's a Judd Apatow comedy. How long do you think it is? 143 minutes. Keep going. What, fuck off, really? You keep going. 150 minutes. Nope. It's, it's, it's 136 minutes. Hang on. I Didn't I just say 143 minutes? Oh, I thought you said 104 minutes. Sorry. <laughs> okay. No. Yeah. 136 minutes. Okay. So, yeah, that's, that's on the threshold shit where it's like, oh, fucking hell, was he just let people improv for like 20 minutes? It's, it's. I don't know if I can watch two hours, 16 minutes of Pete. Uh, well, I, well, I, I get thing, it. I have a thing about Pete Davidson in the fact that I, all I've seen of him really is him in a few things acting and a few things he's done um, where he was doing something like that. Um, the interviews I've seen of him, I, always, I think I think he's playing a character mm. in that sense. Um and then the Saturday Night Live, I genuinely think Saturday Night Live is a little bit of a myth. The whole thing. I, I, it's it's one of those things where is it has it ever been as good as people think it is? I just don't think it has. I mean, there's a lot of like the old school comedians and stuff that are great came from Saturday Night Live. Right, and that's it. There's a difference between producing greatness and actually being great. That's like saying... <laughs> Our crew a great team or our crew ever been a great team? No. But the amount of fuckers that came through our academy is insane. So there's that to condemn with there. But whenever I've seen him acting and stuff, I've always quite liked him, to be honest. So, the only thing that I can say that I've seen him in is that... Um, Jesus the Jesus Rolls. Yeah. Big Lebowski with more fucking. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by this. Um... But yeah, the 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 runtime now is a bit of a is a bit of a worry 
Um, everything it might be one of those things where it, it hits with a certain market and just passes over the market. I think your your threshold for giving a shit about Pete Davidson might might kind of influence this. Mm. I'll watch it, and especially considering the fact that it's like a fairly major release in a drought of fairly major releases. Um, but yeah, I, I, so Judd Apatow, last thing he directed was Trainwreck. I believe so, yeah. And then before that, what, like, this is 40. Like, and then before that, Funny People. It's been a while since Apatow has been particularly on on it like really really on it like you had the late noughties where he was producing things left right and center and he came out with 40 year old virgin and then knocked up and then funny people i think was the one that he directed after that and then it was already like he'd just been cemented as like the next james l brooks or some shit and um and then it kind of went wrong it's if this is something that's lo-fi and it kind of gets apatow's mojo back then yeah interested if it's something where i don't know one of his daughters has an acting role in it and actually yeah i think one of his daughters is playing pete davidson's sister in this so yeah um then yeah Yeah, you know i yeah i don't know we'll 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 see we'll see um yeah i mean jury's out i suppose but i wouldn't be surprised if i'm just like ah fucking what whatever so, so Becky, I, I just pointed something out to Becky and now she's on board. I'm more on board. It depends on which is in it. Who's that? Machine Gun Kelly's in it. <laughs> okay. Nice. So, that's more interesting. You're on board now, yeah. That fucking cover that you did of Misery Business over the last week was amazing. The cover you did of Misery Business with Charles Barker is very good, yes. Um... That, so oh. that is that. Oh, go on. That that that's all the trailers, and we can segue quite nicely, uh, moving on from the uh, Kevin Corrigan starring uh, the King of Staten Island Ooh, to nice. the Kevin Corrigan starring Exorcist Three. Seventeen years ago, an extraordinary motion picture touched our most profound, nameless fears. Do you dare walk these steps again? Death be not proud, nor canst thou kill me. Satan grows stronger. You believe in possession, Father? He has found a haven. Come to take a little blood from your father. He has taken possession. The boy had been crucified. His web widens. I've just never seen anything like this in 20 years. Inside this cell. The killer drove an ingot into each of his eyes and cut off his head. Inside a man. Who are you? I am no one. A man we thought had died. 17 years ago. He is inside with us! He will never get away! Ah! 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 Ah!
Oh, that's right, he is in it, isn't he? <laughs> well, uh, you know the auto boy? Yeah. The oh, auto yeah. boy, it's Kevin Corrigan. <laughs> in another one of his great... Wait, is that... Fuck, is that Kevin Corrigan? <laughs> it's, um... Like... I swear, just just knew somebody who worked on the lot and would literally get to bring call sheets to him and he'd just turn up and sort of look around and go, do you need anyone to bet? <laughs> well it's like samuel L. jackson around that time as well isn't it because he's um like he's in he's in goodfellas and yep. he's in exorcist free as well i mean he's dubbed over in exorcist free but he's in it yeah in, in one shot you know it, i don't know just that's that's funny that there's a link to goodfellas through both of them <laughs> it's weird isn't it yeah mm. oh man uh right so the exorcist three um it is a sequel to the exorcist yeah but not a sequel to The Exorcist 2. It ignores The Exorcist 2. It does ignore The Exorcist 2. Um, I'm trying to go for plot. So plot is, um, there is... George C. Scott plays um, William Kinderman, uh, and he's investigating these strange murders, uh, which all seem to relate to a previous investigation he had for a serial killer called the Gemini Killer, who uh, would kill people in a certain way uh, but also was executed 15 years before so how is this now happening um, and then when he comes across a, a patient in a um, secure wing of a hospital it, he notices that this person essentially is um, father oh, what's his name Not on my head, man. Um, Carius uh, yeah 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 um, and he's somehow linked to these murders that are going on. Um, Kinnaman also was Carrius's friend, and we'll get more into the the weirdness of how this all links together as we go. So, Becky, what were your thoughts on The Exorcist 3? Oh, well, I obviously have never seen this before. Oh, I've got... I've got to mention a few bits in the fact that it's directed by, uh, written and directed by William Peter Blight, who of course wrote The Exorcist. Sorry. And didn't write number two. And didn't write number two. Which was badly received. Yes. Um, I've not seen this before. I, I know for definite I've not seen this before because I would have remembered that scene. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember that scene, yeah. I would. So, um, so yeah, it was, I, I didn't really know what to expect. And You're talking I, about the carp scene, right? That's so fucking funny. <laughs> That's a fucking great monologue, that is, yeah. <laughs> if that carp's not asleep, I'm going to kill it. <laughs> um, anyway, so I, I didn't really know what to expect. I, uh, I like The Exorcist more for... I can appreciate how scary it must have been at the time, and I appreciate the influence that it's had... But I don't think it's that great of a film in, in and of its own right anymore. Um, I don't think it's scary. Um, it's a good film. Like the 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 actual 
But as a horror film, I, I don't find it scary. This was fucking terrifying at points. There was, I can't remember what the first bit was that I was like, that was really scary. Oh my God, in the, um, I don't love in the thing with the man and the, the, the confession booth. Yes, that yeah. bit where, where the voice changes and goes all yeah. creepy. I was like, oh no, I don't like this. This is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it, the, the scares seem more modern somehow and like more timely. Um, and yeah the, the the fucking dialogue the script is fun fucking fantastic the 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 bounce between um the two main characters i can't remember what they're called now kinnaman and what's he called dyer um it's just it's just something that you don't have at all in the exorcist it's a very serious film and so i wasn't expecting it all but the the actual it, it there's actually comedy in it it's like it's a film it's a horror film it's scary but there are, there are actually comedy moments um so it really took me by surprise to be fair that jump scene is like skin crawlingly scary yeah, you, you 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 actually made me rewind that so you can watch it again I, was yeah. like, I, I couldn't cause it happens so quickly and it's not like obviously there's all the build-up to it and stuff but then she closes the door so you relax a little yeah. bit <laughs> and then just fucking happened and i was like did you come out the door or did you come from like the corridor that's just beyond the door or or what so i made you rewind it didn't i so i could i could watch it again yeah it is good is that of course the modern version of rewinding which is either saying go back 30 seconds <laughs> <laughs> you have to say it in a silly voice don't you otherwise siri doesn't doesn't understand what you're saying yes that's true um so oh where was i the framing of that scene as well from it being like quite a long way down the corridor and the security guards like bipping around in the background and stuff as well is is really well done because it makes it kind of lulls you into a false sense of security like oh well if they're there in the background nothing's gonna happen so there's that mm. element to it, it but yeah i really really enjoyed it it's the door close that's the, yeah the, like said, it lulling you into a false sense of security like it just because it is like, where the fuck did it come from then? Yeah. yeah. I, I, oh, it, yeah. That that entire just it, and it gets you with that cheap jump scare like earlier on, and then yeah, the fake out. Yeah, and then and and again just cranks it up, cranks it up, and then lets it go, and then bang straight away. Fucking genius. And none the of the, none said, of the rest of the film really does that. And I love how individual it is. Yeah, mm. and it, it it's not within the first sort of like it's not it's not towards the big climax of the movie it's the middle of the movie yeah, yeah. that's there um and it's what specifically what i like about, about that scene is it's clear that um that blatty is very confident about how good this scare is going to be mm. because he spends so long set up and it is it's quite a meticulous film i think yeah um yeah. what were your thoughts on the rewatch Darian? Yeah, I, I, I think it's a hell of a yeah, it's a hell of a film. I mean, it, it's <clears throat> the the exorcism at the end. I like I, I I'll go into it briefly. It, it the fact that Blatty didn't want that there in the first place, and you know the fact that 
fucking um father caris wasn't even like in the original shoot and then they they brought him in there's there are elements of this is this is a bit compromised this but at the same time take the studio's point that it's literally called the exorcist free and there wasn't an exorcism in the original cut yeah you know i mean from a purely marketing point of view you could probably get behind that but um i watched um i watched a bit of the uh, the legion cut that's on the um the the, the arrow blu-ray um and unfortunately like the the picture quality is awful for for part of it but it, it's the the ending of that it's kind of almost controversial to say because i don't really like how bombastic that exorcism is at the end but at the same time the original ending is like all uh, that that stuff happens with like the woman going around their house and the shears bit but then he just goes back and just shoots the gemini and it's like oh all right then a little bit yeah anticlimactic yeah yeah it goes it goes too far that direction you know and it's like could there could there have been a compromise i mean it, and it, it's it is matt that the, the setup of the exorcism at the end is fucking mental because you see father morning i want to say his name is yeah. um you see him literally like one scene beforehand and then it just cuts like it to like the lightning and uh the door like slamming open and then him walking like walking in and then the the uh caris patient x kind of like going i've been expecting you and it's like what the fuck is this yeah. <laughs> you won't defeat me this time yeah, yeah no i mean that's it and then like the, the stuff in there is just what the fuck it, um Blake goes for it. <laughs> yeah, no, quite. But but then again, okay. Um, Jason uh, Jason Miller is that the gentleman who played uh, Father Karras? Uh, yeah, Jason. Yes. Yeah. I do. I mean, it's unfortunate that he couldn't do more of it because, like, as Brad Dourif says in the extras, he was. Uh, I think he, he it describes him as it describes him as a wet head. Basically, he, he was an alcoholic and he couldn't remember the lines, so they only got a certain amount out of him. But what they do with that material, with cutting between his performance and Brad Dourif's, I think is is really creepy and it's interesting. And um, I, I think Brad Dourif does a, a good job, but Jason Miller as well. Just that that, frankly, knowing that he was an alcoholic, like, and he he was just haggard as fucking shit, it kind of lends something to that performance almost. Um, George C. Scott is the shit in this film fucking incredible um it's a really fucking interesting film that probably would have been better if it didn't have the exorcist baggage hanging over it but then again it wouldn't have been made if it didn't have that so hey mark mark thoughts um i'm a little bit kind of like uh upset the fact that we we haven't had more William Peter Blatty movies um, because th- there's some really fucking interesting shots and interesting shit going on. You know, it, he, um, Jerry Fisher was the cinematographer on it um, who, you know, done things like Highlander and now the Dots Monroe and things like that. But it, it, this is, it, it's a really nicely shot movie, but it, it's, it manages to throw an awful lot at you. 
so you've got the comedy elements of it, which are genuinely funny. You know, the all the interactions that you get and the little banter between um, Dyer and Kinderman are fantastic. You know, yeah. the, the cart bit especially is brilliant. The bit where they're both explaining where they're going when they're off to see it's a wonderful life as well. And yeah. they both say, oh, yeah, right, she needs me. Yeah, there's bits like that. But they, they have a very... They have a, a, a weirdly natural relationship with each other. Yeah. It, it, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like patter on a script. It feels like two friends who have been friends for forty odd years who just meet up and take the piss out of each other. Mm. Um, yeah. You know that's that that's a thing. You know, then you've got this. There's an unbelievable amount of confidence to it. You know, you're making a sequel and a you know to one of, you know, at the time, still one of the most celebrated movies of all time, um, that is still banned in some countries, that had a sequel that essentially did nothing other than piss people off. And then to come back and have the sheer amount of confidence and, and fucking hubris to go, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put a dream sequence in it. I'm going to put all of this fucking imagery in it. I'm going mm. to have a close-up shot which essentially is a joke. And then I'm going to do this long, this really long four-minute scene of a nurse just walking up and down for literally a microsecond scare. Yeah. That is going to be, that is going to be so well executed. The precision that it takes to do that in terms of a director, the lighting, the performances, from the sound mixing and the sound editing to get it just right at that moment. And then you've got all the stuff that's going in the background where you've got the, the police officers moving out of the way so that nobody's seen it. Well, to pull off a jump scare when the setup is that, like, it's obvious something's coming, but it still gets you. But also as well to have the fucking balls as well to go, I'm not going to show the head getting caught. Hmm. I'm just going to show the shh and just the walking out. Don't run. It's just a couple of steps. It's absolute similar perfection. It is. Um, I like the batshit ending. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like the batshit ending. I agree with you, Ian, that they that, that they maybe they should have made some kind of compromise and gone somewhere else. But I, I don't know. I think the batshitness of it adds to the mystique of it being The Exorcist 3. Because the problem is, no matter what, no matter how good a movie you make, if you make a sequel to a celebrated movie from 15 years previous that was celebrated as The Exorcist was yeah. at the time, and still is, um, then what you're going to, no matter how good that movie is, it is unlikely it's ever going to get praised as being better or being as good. You just you, you might get oh it was good but it's not there's already something to compare it against whether it's fair or not yeah yeah and um, and I just I, I think that I'm glad that um, shout faction I'm glad that Arrow have done um, like cult cuts of it um, and have done these these boutique labels have done an actual release of it to get it out there and sort of dig into it because it it's interesting um, and. There's a lot there, and it's a very good movie. And I think that, that, that stuff like this brings these things out, and it maybe should be celebrated a little bit more than it than it is. I I prefer it to 
the Exodus. Well, I really like the Exodus. I would say I probably prefer Exodus 3 to the Exodus just because I think it's got a bit more... I've always found the Exodus really a really, really good film. Mm. Uh, and whenever I think I said when, when me and you reviewed it, Ian, it's one of those where I'm, when I, once I start watching it, I'm watching it, I'm always like, fuck, this is good. But then after it, I kind of forget how good it is. Yeah. And yeah. I and I, I would if you were to say to me, oh, we're going to watch The Exorcist tonight, or we're going to The Exorcist, I'd be there going, it feels a little bit like hard work. Yeah, it's, it's a I'm, big meal of a film. But I know <laughs> 10 minutes into it, I'll be going, this is fucking good. Mm. Yeah. So this one feels more, uh, I don't know, like less dated and more relatable. I think because probably because of like the scripts and the banter and stuff like that, it's not all serious all the way through. It just feels. I, I, I love. The, I, I think George T. Scott's performance in it is is incredible as well. Mm. He is so charismatic in it. It, it, it. It's unreal stuff. Like when the the old lady comes up and says, "Are you my son?" And he goes, well, "I'd be very proud to be." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then all the interactions he has with the with the nurse who literally just says at one point, I'm a bitch to him. And he kind of <laughs> nods and goes, well, yeah, but still thank you. <laughs> it's just, he, you look at him, you go, do you know what? He, he, you you're, you have the charisma to pull off how shitty you can be to people sometimes. Like I mean, when, he's, I mean, when he's chewing out his, his detectives yeah, and he's yeah. chewing that one out for being a racist. <laughs> yeah. What's that, that, that one beer he screams to the person is, it's not that fire! Or whatever, whatever it is that he says. It's funny. Yeah, to the, to, to the douchebag that Schwarzenegger stabs in the back in running mouth. Nice. nice. It is. It's that guy. You fucking nerd. Um, yeah, no, it's, um, I mean, have we got much else to say? Are we, I think we're closing down on this, aren't we? Yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, definitely not shit. Um, I think I might actually pick up the uh, the Blu-ray, the Arrow one, just because I don't often buy, I hardly ever buy, what's it? You can't buy the Exodus 3 if you've not got one and two. Yeah, I can. Uh, but I kind of want to watch those special features. So. Yeah. And I think when I can pick it up for like eight quid somewhere or something like that, I think I'd be I'd be quite nice with going, do you know what, I'm, I'm fine with that, yeah. having that. Yeah, fine. Yeah. So, so um, um and before, and before we move on, um, so patrons, I uh, mentioned that there'd be a giveaway on this week's show. Um, so I'm going to send one of the patrons my copy of the Exorcist Free Blu-ray. It's the two-disc limited edition uh, that Arrow Video put out um, to win. You just need to be the first patron to comment on this episode saying, Ian, your mother sucks cocks in hell. <laughs> nice. Um, so I'm, I'm quite serious. The first patron to comment on this episode saying, Ian, your mother sucks cocks in hell, will win my copy of the two disc arrow uh, of, uh, Blu-ray of The Exorcist 3. Good work. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing you're definitely not shit on it as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so that's three definitely not shit. I'm just going to check on our audience poll. Uh, once my Twitter starts being a little bitch. Um, definitely not shit, 79%. Do 
touching cloth 7%, shit 7%, and those people who can do maths out there, that would make Geostorm 7%. The thing is, I, I can see why those numbers came out. Yeah, 100%. Uh, right, uh, so moving on, next on to, what should we do next? What should we do next? Uh, I'm going to say, because uh, I'm in chat, uh, we're going to do Phantasm next. Phantasm. Is it a nightmare? Phantasm. Is it an illusion? Phantasm. Is it an evil? Take me home. What, what? No questions. You must take me home. Phantasm. Is it a fantasy? scare you. You're already dead. Phantasm. So, a, a movie none of us had seen. Oh, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get another glass of wine before we talk Phantasm. I'll be back. No worries. I will. I will oh. try and fill up by doing my little synopsis. I want I want I want to have a drink in my hand talking about Phantasm. Sorry, I'll be back. I do that loads, pretty much all of the time. Uh, so Phantasm in a 1979 um, sci-fi horror film um, written, directed, shot and edited by uh, Don um, Coscarelli um, for $300,000, which is insane. Uh, I'll get into my feelings behind why that's insane um, quite soon. Um, stars some people. Uh, the plot starts with a, um, well, a, a man... Um, getting murdered while getting on in a cemetery. Um, I, I have thoughts about that scene, uh, which I will explain when we get into more details of it. Um, and then at his funeral, his brother, um, brother's son, uh, are there, and uh, the younger brother sees a tall man 
loading up the supposed coffin into the back of a car and then weird shit starts to happen um, with fucking dwarves and fucking people disappearing and all weird shit, a ball with spikes in it that stabs people in the face and blood shoots out and it's blah. And yet, for some reason, I have no idea why, but I hadn't seen this and it's it, it seems like it's it, like a it's not like one of the big horror franchises like Friday the 13th or a Halloween or uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, it's like the next tier below that. But I have seen so many fucking tiers below that this tier that this would sit on that it kind of blows my mind a little bit that I have never seen Phantasm. It makes no sense. It has many things that I look for in horror movies. I love that I just walked back into the room to you actually like acting out the mind blowing like thing. I'm 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 a I'm a handsy man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um we'll, we'll get to my issue with the opening scene when Ian gets back, Becky. Okay. Because I had a deep issue with the opening scene, didn't I? The murder of um, Oh yeah you did, yeah. What weird thing to fixate on yeah this this in a way could be my my putting them on hold for ian (laughs) five movies but the whole crux of it is me going so before i get into that and we try and work that out without me acting things out this time yeah uh what did you think of phantasm you did act it out out, yeah oh don't disappear Um, I I really enjoyed Phantasm. It's um, it's mental, but it's it's that kind of era horror mental that you kind of like. Um, it's 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 pretty well acted, to be fair. Um, it's it's fun. Um, and it's actually quite a good story. Well, it, it kind of goes off a cliff when the portal comes into it but um the the sort of grave robbing and um sort of wondering why they're robbing the graves and then it turns out that they're slaves on another planet is a bit is a bit random um yeah it shows school yeah yeah so yeah i enjoyed it good uh yeah i i was the same um we commented, didn't we, while we were watching it on the on the practical effects sort of side yeah, of it? Yeah, three hundred thousand dollars this cost to make, mm. and it's all because it's it's really clever filmmaking. It's money spent spent really well on yeah. on little things, and it's it's the beauty of um of the problem is nowadays, and you can use one director to highlight this that makes perfect sense. And it's Tim Burton because he has crossed over. He has had practical effects and he has had mm. computer-generated effects. Um, and it is before you had to be able to... You can imagine something, but you had to be able to do it. Yeah. So what the idea was is people didn't... Filmmakers and, um, and things like that, they didn't start by going, right, what can I do? They started by imagining the thing they wanted to do and then it'll be a work back from there to write, well, what can I do? Mm. And the clever thing about, um, but the problem there is, 
with CG, anything you can imagine you can do, don't be to say it's going to fucking look good no matter what it is. No. But the clever thing about Phantasm it, it was, right, well, I need to do this. Well, I'll do this, I'll do this. And like you were saying there, forced perspective is, is used so well in this movie. Um, and the sets, it's it, it, mind-boggling how good a looking movie this is for the amount of money it costs. Yeah, the, the, the bit with the bit with the portal and yeah. watching it and like, oh, it's just that that's further forward and then there's a there's a yeah. white bit. You've got and... two two fucking steel two plate steel poles there, mm. a bit of white sheeting and a fucking slide whistle. <laughs> the slide whistle, you love that. Didn't I you? love the slide whistle, but it, but that looks nowadays that would be CGI and it would you'd look at it and you'd go that's CGI. You also enjoyed the beer kegs. I also enjoyed the beer kegs. That were the portal things. Just a baking spray painted, what is it, with a bit of, um, so you look like a window, mm. with a bit of fucking Perspex, isn't it? blue, um, what, what would it be that? It would just be um, blue ribbon paper. There, it's just a really fucking clever idea. Just, it's just really smart. Ian, you back in the room? Hi. Hi. Uh, we were just talking about how, how smart it, at filmmaking it is. Why didn't anyone tell me that Phantasm is one of cinema's greatest achievements? <laughs> Thank you. It is. It really is a. Yeah. I I I I am angry at myself when it's taken me this long. Why I didn't watch this when I was like fourteen years old or at any point since then, I don't know. It's a it's a fucking belter. Um, it's. It, it, it reminded me more of like a fucking Fulci film like yes. it, than um, anything that American horror cinema was putting out at the time. Like it's this wonderful, surreal dream logic that goes throughout the whole thing, which, you know, kind of makes sense given given the end of the film. But just I never knew what the fuck was going to happen from one moment to the next. Um, you know, I, I knew about the flying balls and I knew about the tall man, but didn't know about what, I mean, the, the, the plan is mental. It's like, what, so what is aliens have found their way to a funeral home where they steal corpses, shrink them to like a third of their size and then ship them off back to the alien planet as slaves. Yep. Brilliant. Why yeah. didn't I think of that? It is. At least, at least I was just saying, that it, there's no dumbing down of the scope of the movie. It's this, 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 this. Let's make a fucking movie of it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's... um, Just some of the stuff that Coscarelli does here is so interesting. I, and it's just little flourishes. Like, that one moment where... um. Uh, Mike uh, picks up the uh, the picture and it's like a shot of his hand holding the picture and then the tall man like looks at him from yes. the picture like that is a fucking cracking shot um, and it, it, the, again, the, it's clever filmmaking oh god yeah 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 and, and again it's got that kind of like dreamy woozy like nature to it the fucking the ball eye view like chef's kiss shit that was that red like it, it's like it's all red and it kind of sees red and black and then the noise that's accompanying that oh also oh fuck my phone's ringing oh it's my mum again jesus christ um but oh, god i'm so sorry two ticks huh? two ticks 
Hi, Mum. You okay? Okay. I I I honestly have no idea, Mum. I'm sorry. Um, maybe use his card. Just use his debit card. I I I honestly don't. I, I honestly don't know. Then, Mum. I, I I if he can maybe exchange some euros for some Bulgarian currency, that might be a way around it. I I I don't really know what to suggest. Yeah, I, I, I would have thought so. Maybe there'll be a cash machine at the airport. I, well, I'm, I'm sure Bulgarian track cash machines are legit, Mum. Don't worry. I... We, we well we've got a we've got a couple of minute um, uh, days to think about it, Mum. Don't don't please don't please don't stress. He'll be fine. He'll he'll last four hours in a in a Bulgarian airport. It'll be okay. But you could get something on the flight. Get you could get something on the flight to Bulgaria. Like he'd be able to use euros on that. Yeah yeah, it'd be fine. I, 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 yeah, it's just my, my I've never been to Bulgaria. I, I, I don't really know what to suggest there. Mm -hmm. Sorry, mum. All right. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. If if any non patrons want to know what that was about, two dollars a month, patreon.com forward slash film bastards. Um my mom doesn't trust Bulgarian cash machines. Brilliant. Um right. Um God, where, <laughs> where were we? That sounds like a Silverson song from the mid nineties. <laughs> um, um uh, I, I just yeah, um Oh god, I've, I've completely lost the thread. I'm so sorry, both. Um, I mean, I, I, this it, it's a film that just doesn't really seem to uh, like you know cult circles know it, but you know you you watch this and at the start like a bad robot logo comes up and then yeah. that reminded me that J.J. Abrams like basically through his company funded a restoration of fucking Phantasm because that's how much he likes it. Like it, it's there's just and, and you you see why though it's a very very stylish film the score fucking bangs yeah like that main theme is amazing and i'm 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 kind of minded do i want to see another four phantasm films i kind of think i do <laughs> yeah well we turn out each other and went yeah yeah, I'd watch more of them. I, I I can see us watching the next one of those uh, quite quickly, but the next one actually happens. It's like it's nine years later that the next one gets made. 
Is it Coscarelli again? Uh, it is, yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, I think he directs all of them but one. It's the same cast as well. So I take it, um, like J- Jody, he's not in the other ones. Uh, I'm not sure. He might be. No, it's uh, Reggie and Re- Reggie and Mike, is it? Yeah. I mean what that was, do I think, <laughs> like that ending, like really, like smelled of the guy who played Jody was a dick on set, and they basically just ensured that he'd be written out of it. <laughs> like it's a, it's a very odd ending because, I mean, even that like that mine shaft at the end, it was like it's not a mine shaft, it's a fucking hole in the ground. What the fuck's going on? And then. It, <laughs> You know, the lad wakes up and it's just like, well, yeah, there's that kind of dream logic thing where a hole in the ground could be a mine shaft that's thousands of feet down. Who who knows? You know, um, and just the whole the, the Reggie that that right, that guy. How old is that guy? Because he's either like in his 20s and has incredibly bad luck or <laughs> is in his 50s and has weirdly good luck. Uh Reggie, the actual guy at the time, uh, was 34. But I, but I said this as well about Mike, didn't I? Mike, Mike, Mike is the, was incredibly mature for like 13. Or Mike is the oldest 13-year-old I've he ever was, seen. He was driving, he had a motorbike, he was packing heat. Yep, he, 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 he MacGyvered the shit out of that, blowing up that door as well. He fucking did. And all yeah, the actual yeah. stuff that was done towards getting rid of the tall man, Jodie was just there like, who? And like Mike was like, yeah, just fucking shoot him. Doing all the stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird with that. Old Mike. And then the ending all got a little bit humbert humbert, didn't it? When when he was saying, "Yeah, Mikey, we'll take a road trip. We'll go around the country." Da, 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 da. That yeah. was a bit creepy with that. It was a little bit odd, yes. yeah. He was getting a buggering. Um, <laughs> I don't think you can say that. It's been said. So um, and uh, just one other thing is I I liked as well. You guys might have mentioned it while I was while I was away. I fucking love. There's that ominous noise when they're kind of like exploring the funeral home and they find the space gate thing, there's that noise and you think it's like on the soundtrack and then it just turns out to be the noise in that room. And when everything goes dark, that noise goes away. I really, I just, I really liked that. I like the whole kind of the diegetic sound, even though you don't think it's diegetic sound. I just thought it was like ominous mood music. It's there's just, there's shit going on in this film throughout. That it just feels like a lot of a, t- a care has been paid to it, um, despite the fact that it kind of on the uh, on the outset it's just this kind of like gnarly low budget horror film. But nah, it feels like Coscarelli's vision put on screen as fucking batshit as that is. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really fucking impressive film. It's fantastic. <laughs> Only one thing bothered me about it, wasn't it? <laughs> what, the girl's teeth? No. Which girl? Oh. There's one yeah. thing bothered me about that. Mm. So you know the opening scene? Yeah. In the cemetery? Yeah. So it opens out and you see, all you can see is uh, legs, can't you? Mm. From two people who are obviously getting on. Yeah. Right? Getting on. 
And so they're laid down. Yeah. Right? Yeah. With her on top laid down, which is already a, 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 a odd sexual preference, but it, it can happen. But then it flashes back to the scene of him <laughs> and him laid down and she's clearly on top, but is clearly sat. Clearly sat. Maybe she's doing like. Uh, I tried acting this outfit and it didn't work. The logic for it didn't work. She's doing like the Cobra yoga position. No one can Cobra that high. No. Nobody can Cobra that, would be an that high. Impressive back bend, wouldn't it? It, it, it? it. I would counter that that is physically impossible. Would you counter it? would be more of a back break. It would be a spine snapper, yes. <laughs> so, yeah. So, to move so to I, like... it, it confused me to the point last the other, the other night when we watched it, didn't it? But, you, did, yeah. you did, I try and act it I did try and work out <laughs> how it, it worked. Laid on the floor there. The physics of it all. Yeah. Yeah, um, I can't work it out. <laughs> no. It, it really bothered you that, didn't it? It did really bother me, yeah. Paused it for a bit there while you, while you tried to work it out, didn't you? Yeah, we did. <laughs> I mean, don't say we. Don't involve me in this madness. <laughs> I didn't pause it. I didn't care. It just, just it, bothered, you, it bothered it? me a little bit, yeah. In a film with such great attention to detail yeah. that the, the, they would miss that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what we have then, guys? Definitely not shit? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Definitely not shit, yeah. I'm looking yeah. forward to the next one, actually. Yep. Uh, well, our audience poll, uh, definitely not shit, 64%. Touching cost, 27%. Shit, 9%. And Geostorm, for people who can do maths. Zero percent. Hmm. Uh, that was such a weird fucking thing. What? For people that can do masks, masks, and then leans in towards me with the crazy eyes well, going you, on. You, you guys really can't do maths. Okay. Ian, what have you watching? Crazy eyes. Um, all crazy eyes. You don't know what I have to put up with Saya doing this. Normally, when when it's just you two doing podcasts, he's still here gesticulating and being weird, but he's got no one to like creepily stare at all these crazy eyes at. Probably the dog gets the brunt of it then, doesn't he? Anything that's near. Uh, our fucking dog's barking like no one's business and we don't know why. She's really been on one today. She fucking bit Donna, like drew blood. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, she was trying to, like, basically Donna um, took her out for a walk with Lottie um, and there was a load of, like, spilt food waste on the pavement and um she got a fucking bone in her mouth like a chicken bone mm. and donna donna was like trying to get it out of her mouth and she fucking clamped down on donna and made her fucking bleed God. it's uh yeah a little bit shaky on uh kiki at the moment if truth be told but we'll uh we'll see how it goes um just the minute she does anything like that to lots then mm. yeah um but hey so Have you ever wondered what so-called family films will scar your kids forever? Putting four or five-year-olds in front of this movie, it's like, if they didn't know what death was before this, they're going to know it after it. They're going to know it after it, and they're going to be freaking terrified. And they're going to be questioning you. Yeah. Or do you have the slight suspicion that your loved one has a cold, dead heart? Yeah, the Dark Knight has got all the orphans, and like, oh no, we're going to die. They did not build up those orphans at all. In my head, it's like, kill them. Then look no further, the His Film, Her Movie podcast is the show for you. It's the movie podcast that celebrates the contrasting cinematic tastes of its hosts. So join Jordan and Lauren every week on their unique journey through the land of the silver screen. So if you're looking for a few laughs, 
some fun film-related chat, then get involved. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Mulberry Boys, every Friday night. On the show, you better know they keep it tight. ETL is back and the J-Strom's in the zone. Introduce the co-host, he doesn't do it alone. PCZ is about to hold court. You know he's on the headset, you can hear him snort. Pop culture movies, TV shows and games. Rotten Tomatoes reviews news and Blu-rays. Foggy don't play around, he will bust a drop fast. Welcome to the Entertainment Landfill Podcast. The Jason and Steven Show. It's the Jason and Steven Show. What? The Jason and Steven Show. It's the Jason and Steven Show. Uh, I have watched a few things outside of uh, the what we've been covering. Um, da, 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 da. Rewatched Jumanji The Next Level. Um, and I think I've identified why I was pretty lukewarm on that when uh, we reviewed it. Because the first half is really, really fucking good and really funny. And the second half is not. Um, as soon like the... Danny DeVito and Dan, Danny Glover in the bod, in the other bodies stuff, pretty fucking strong. As soon as it starts introducing Aquafina and like the the horse being the blonde girl and the magical pool where they can chop and change personalities, it gets very plotty, and I I, I think it the film thinks you like the relationship between the kids who get sucked into the game more than you do. Um, the second half is very, very focused on their relationships and nah, not buying it. However, the tease for the third one, if the third one is going to be the video game characters come to the real world. So you've got the rock playing smolder, brave, uh, brave stone and Jack black playing, whatever the fuck his name character is, et cetera, et cetera. I think that could be quite funny. Um, and if they're going to do a third one and end it there, then why not? Um, but yeah, it's, um, I was laughing a lot in like the first 50 minutes or so, and then it really died off. Um, but it's, it's not, it's not terrible. Uh, but yeah. Um, so, uh, also watched Zodiac director's cut. Ooh. So, I, I have, I've owned the US import of the Zodiac Director's Cut Blu-ray for literally years and not watched it. And I've seen the Director's Cut before, um, but I hadn't really had a Blu-ray player about. My Blu-ray, my 4K player uh, fucked up the other day, but now appears to have stopped fucking up, which is nice. Um... So it, it's okay now. I'm not going to talk any more about that because I don't want to jinx anything. <laughs> but So why did I order the US director's cut? Prepare for some nerdy shit. <laughs> the UK Blu-ray of the Zodiac director's cut is one disc for the film and the extras. 
it has a Dolby Digital 5.1 soundtrack and the extras are in standard death. The US Blu-ray has them split across two discs. The bit rate of the video is about twice as much as the one uh, as the one disc UK one. It's a Dolby True HD lossless 5.1 soundtrack and the extras on the second disc are in HD. So I am very, very happy with my choice. What I would say, if there's going to be a 4K of Zodiac uh, director's cut at some point, I'd be up for that. It was filmed in 2K, so it would be an upscale. However, if we were going to get an even more increased Blu-ray and get some HDR going on in that motherfucker, if it was Fincher approved, I'd be up for seeing it. But this Blu-ray looks fucking lovely. And even digital cinematography in 2007 was a fucking world away from what George Lucas was doing with Attack of the Clones in 2002. Uh, Zodiac Director's Cut is a fucking masterpiece. Um, is, is it my favourite venture? Bit of a battle with the social network there, in all honesty. Um, but I don't think it's far off. Also, it's got just the right amount of Robert Downey Jr. Because um, he's in it quite a bit in like the first half or so. And then he's basically in it for one major scene and a couple of like shots of him in the second half. Kind of perfect RDJ amount there, I think. Um, he gets his he kind of gets his moments. He definitely makes his impression and he drops off. And then the rest of the film is primarily Jake Gyllenhaal with some Mark Ruffalo every now and then as well. That's that's a that's a pretty great combo. Um, it's just procedural stuff is my shit. Yeah, yeah. And like just the, the 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 way that it bounces to Arthur Lee Allen and then bounces off of him, but then you've got that revelation at the end. I mean, despite the fact that we never found out who the Zodiac actually was, this film has obviously got its opinion on that, and. It's fucking heartbreaking that in this film's view, it basically comes down to the fact that his handwriting didn't match, even though it was the essentially the opinion of one kind of like constantly drunk handwriting expert. And the fact that years later, he didn't have some shit in a trailer he moved into after the fact, like the rest of the evidence, like the the moment where Jake Gyllenhaal was like, his name was whatever the name is he's saying his name was this and his name was this and then she was like lee his name was lee and it's like hits you like a fucking thunderbolt that um and then at the end uh where the the the, the grown-up version of the kid from the first sequence um comes back and he's like i haven't seen that face for 30 years you know it's fucking incredible um you know, it, 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 as as a procedural, as a character piece, as a fucking technical showcase, it's like otherworldly. Like the, the 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 shit that they do in the background to kind of just like subtly recreate seventies like San Francisco in like the the kind of California area is amazing. But then also you've got these individual scenes of just pure terror, which ease up after the first hour. Um, you know the um. The, the 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 murder in complete stark daylight is horrendous you know the, the 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 way that the guy in the situation is 
like playing it really cool and he's very confident he's maybe too confident he's just pushing the zodiac's buttons just a little bit too much yeah and then he gets murdered and the girl gets murdered that that sequence that sequence even though like it, it it puts it to doubt whether it was the zodiac or not of um you know um before i kill you i'm gonna throw your baby out of the car or whatever it is he says and then just like there's this one just like piano chord after it and it cuts the black it's fucking horrendous but i think it's really interesting that you've got these reenactments of zodiac mur- murders in like the first hour or so and then the, the last hour 40 minutes there's none of that you know and it's it, it's basically because like his stuff dried up and but I think that's interesting. It kind of pushes you in one, it pulls you in one direction and pushes you in another. Um, it, yeah, it's um, hell of a film, hell of a film. And it, you know, it's been said many times before, but if Mark Ruffalo was going to do a Columbo series, then yes, please. You know? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I was really, really glad that I finally watched it again. I want to like, especially while this lockdown stuff's continuing, I'm, I'm I want to try and get through long films that i've been meaning to watch again for ages but haven't got round to so uh casino's next <laughs> so um i'll probably be talking about that next week 4k blu-ray of that i had a little look at it the other night is fucking incredible like long one that one. Oh yeah but i'm really I'm looking forward to watch that as well so we can all do it what is that is that the the third becky's choice is it yes casino fuck yes I'm fine with Casino. Nice. I, I, I have nice. to put my, my James Woods bike up, but... He's been in some good films. Yeah, he might be a time. twat, but yeah. it is what it is. All right, sweet. Cool. Uh, good. Um, my last one uh, for this week is uh, Mortal Engines. So, this... Um, I randomly bought it for two ninety nine in the iTunes, like, big blowout thingamajig um that they did um uh you know they do it kind of every january or february it's like for a week it's like 2.99 for a shitload of stuff it's like the Um, big movie big mega movie mega movie week or some shit yeah um and yeah just been meaning to watch it and it's on um it's on sky cinema now as well um so this is directed by um um christian rock band sounding uh name christian rivers um it's written by uh peter jackson and uh philippa walsh and fran boyan so written by the writers of the lord of the rings trilogy um and bombed did really yeah massive massive bomb um came out the same christmas as uh aquaman and uh mary poppins uh Mary Poppins begins. Mary Poppins returns, if I remember correctly. Um, and yeah, just got completely sunk. I'm just bringing up its uh, total now. Um, it was horrible. 83.7 million. 83.7 million worldwide off of a hundred million dollar budget. I mean, that's actually not as bad as I thought it was, considering that it did 15 million total in the US um i mean that us number is fucking horrific um 
15 million and it was universal's big like christmas 2018 release um so story of this countries or cities have basically yes cities have basically become cities on wheels so london is a city on wheels and it gobbles up towns and villages around it um and like takes their resource and their people like live in london and it basically like that it eats the, the things around it and then fuels its engines basically um like say, it's a bit of a commentary on urban sprawl then yeah 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 quite yeah yeah really um so a girl tries to kill like the the leader of london played by hugo weaving and um she's um she's stopped by a guy um and the guy runs after her and she basically says like ask it uh, ask him why he killed uh uh pandora shaw i'm not making that name up pandora shaw that's the name and uh hugo weaving follows and says like what what did she tell you and she's like well he was she was talking some bollocks and said like uh saying something about you killing someone called pandora shaw and then hugo weaving like pushes him off this thing that she went down as well so the two then team up and um go on a, a kind of an adventure around this post-apocalyptic wasteland um while um hugo weaving is trying to develop a super weapon that will finally enable london to break through a wall and take over the rest of the world um i believe it's based on a book and uh, to be fair with a title like mortal engines you'd, you'd have to imagine it is based on some existing ip because otherwise what the fuck um and it doesn't it, it is I, I don't based on mortal engines by philip reeve there you go it doesn't entirely work like at all um the first 15 20 minutes or so it sets up quite a lot of characters and it really only focuses on two um there are a couple other characters uh one of them's hugo weaving's daughter and then this other guy and they have a little bit of a subplot which the film then seems to just completely forget um there's also some stuff involving the backstory of the main girl that you just see coming a mile off and it it's why 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 are you even bothering with with this film but it looks like the world that it creates is something it it looks like not a day of like location shooting was done it was entirely fucking green screen but the 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 worlds that weta created here are pretty captivating um there's also an interesting a development in the third act where they they need to get somewhere to like save the people and then the leaders of that land make a decision which brings up some interesting ethical shit um also the film very neatly wraps itself up by the end of it in in a place where it's like well yeah you could probably do more with this but the characters in the film that you kind of like care about their their arc is 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 complete enough the story in this film is told and i respect that 
Um, it's two hours, eight minutes, which is just about as long as you want it to be. Yeah. Um, but for spending two ninety nine on it, I'm 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 all right with that. And I kind of wish I gave it a shot in the cinema, to be honest. It, it it's quite a like a big screen film. Um, I I'd, I'd be intrigued to see what you guys make of it if you ever get round to it. It's not ones where I I I I one where I'd immediately say you guys should watch it, but I'd be intrigued to hear what you think. It's I, I will also say. There is a character um, that is motion captured by Stephen Lang. Um, I love me a bit of Stephen Lang. Who and, doesn't? Sorry? Who doesn't? Yeah, quite. And his character has just a really fascinating backstory. And his last scene is fucking heartbreaking. And you would never, ever, ever have thought that like when his character is introduced he plays a character called shrike so if you ever watch it just watch out for shrike and his arc is a hell of a thing I, um, i'm gonna be catching this for sure because I, i've tried to watch this before have you i fell asleep was that the content of the film or just because you were tired the film wasn't exactly gripping from the get-go, and I think I was possibly a bit tired as well. Right. I think it was bad well, I, I'm going to give it a go, because... Yeah. Why not? Why the fuck not? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, just the, the, the cities on wheels thing is a hell of a concept, and it does a pretty good job with it. Like, yeah, yeah, give it a go. Right. Um, is that like your last one? Did you say that, Ian? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. What are you watching? Um, on my own, I have watched. Um, I rewatched Ready Player One. Didn't enjoy it as much on rewatch as I did on the first watch. Because you really liked it first. Yeah, watch. I still really enjoyed it, but it wasn't quite as like like I don't know. It's gonna sound really cheesy, but like magical feeling as on a first watch. Probably because I kind of knew what to expect, I guess. Um, That's fair. But yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. It just had. It didn't get me as much as it did the first time. Um, and then I watched Escape Room. What was that like? Have you seen it, Ian? Uh, yeah. yeah. So there's been a couple of Escape Rooms, but this is the one that actually came out in cinemas, yeah? I don't know, because I think I've got the wrong Escape Room here. Hang on. That's not right. Was it the one that had the sequence that was kind of outside and it had, like, the Frozen Over Lake? No. Okay. You've watched the other escape room. <laughs> the one that's on Netflix. Yeah, I, I don't think that's the one that came out in cinemas. No. Okay. Hang on. Escape room. There we go. Director Will Wernick, 2017. Let's see if I can find it. Yeah, no, that's that's the one that's on Netflix. I know the one that you're talking about because I've seen it on Netflix. That's not. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you didn't watch the one that came out in cinemas. You watched the one that randomly then was it? I'm kind of intrigued though. How was this one? Do you know what? I I really liked it. To be okay. fair, it's it feels. Kind of, you know, like when you watch old school horror movies and there's always like there's some artifact and then the artifact kind of infects things and like shit ensues. Like there'll be like some fucking mask or something and anyone that goes near it gets possessed by it and things like that, like crazy, stupid stuff like that. 
So um, let me just find it so I can say like who's in it. Generic bunch of skin jobs. Yeah. But literally, that is it. That's who's in it. I'm trying to get find the guy that plays the, the owner of the place. Anyway, the, the the owner of this escape room, um, has gone to this pawn shop. Not pawn, P-O-R-N, P-A-W-N. So it looks so excited. Um, to to buy this artifact that is heard is there. Um, or he sees it while he's in there, or some some shit anyway. And he he, he buys it because he thinks it'll look cool and spooky in the escape room. Um, but there's also this legend attached to it, and blah blah blah, um, that the spirit can infect things. And so what actually like happens is, so this group of friends go in there. One of them's a reviewer for like a horror website, so he wants it to go really well. Um, and then the cameras in the room where he can watch to make sure uh nobody's like i don't know having a heart attack or anything like that they they go off but because he's so worried about this horror reviewer's review he doesn't want to disturb them part way through the escape room and like there's nothing that can go wrong like the only other person in the room with him is an actor who is like um wearing like a boiler suit and like a big like bag over like a sack over his head with eye holes in and stuff he's got like a chain around him but um every i think it's every 15 minutes the chain releases a little bit more so we can go further into the room but like he's just an actor but then this thing activates um which obviously which is what sets, sets the cameras off but then he's not an actor anymore like he's possessed and like one of the guys gets too close and then he just like stabs the shit out of him and like he's just dead on the floor and gradually like more he gets further and further into the room and it's actually really tense way better than i expected it to be actually isabel recommended it to me she was like have you watched this on netflix and i thought i'd give it a go but yeah it was a lot better than i expected it to be like i don't it's not not classic horror and it's definitely not prestige horror by by any stretch of the imagination but it's quite good fun and it, and it does keep the tension quite well fair enough Oh, nice, nice, nice. Yes. I've not watched anything solo. You little bitch. I'm a little bitch, yeah. But actually, I did. I watched following, but I'm not a talk about on this. If you want to hear what our thoughts of following were, you can goddamn fucking pay for it, motherfuckers. <laughs> Except you guys are already paying for it. Thank you. Um, so what else have we watched, Bex? <laughs> we won't talk about them too much, because we've talked about them before. We, we've watched Da Vinci Code and the Angels and Demons, haven't we? Yeah, we fucking we, have. We've gone after Professor Langdon-a-thon. Um, <laughs> That happens once a year. It's always such a pleasure. <laughs> the Lang Dangathon. I haven't actually loved Da Vinci Code. I've only loved Dave Well, fuck you. Um, but, so yeah, we, we rewatched those because why not? Somebody's got her. <laughs> oh, so much fun. I actually might reread Da Vinci Code. Uh, I wouldn't invite that. No. Um, we did, however, also rewatch Inherent Vice. Yeah, we did. Nice. Um, it's a little bit more sense every time I watch it. it, it it's it, it's such a fucking film, this. It is, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's Paul Thomas Anderson. This thing is, this is the Paul Thomas Anderson I really like spending time with. I enjoy spending time with um or no, the movies that he's made, for instance, I need to rewatch Master and I will rewatch the Master. Um but Phantom Thread is fantastic and he's beautiful and he's actually a really great horror movie. Um and um 
There Will Be Blood, again, is a great almost psychological horror movie. Mm. But the fun that he has with movies like Boogie Nights and, to an extent, Magnolia and this... Yeah. You get the feel like he's laughing along with it. He's having a great time making it. Yeah. You know, the, the, the master, I don't think he had a great time making a master. I think it was a a project that he constructed and he put together and it was precision. It, it was, it was it's a serious movie that they, that they made and I do need to go back and rewatch it. Whereas this seems like, right, we need to go, we need to go for it. We need to go zany. You know, you cast Will Wilson in your movie as this character. <laughs> you're going to go a little bit fucking zany. Yeah. Especially if you do a shot that's supposed to look like the fucking hippie version of The Last Supper. It, it is the bravado and balls on this movie are yeah. fucking huge. Yeah. But down to things like the Bigfoot may be one of my favourite characters in cinema. Bigfoot Graham. Um, just fucking... The, the, the amount of fun that Josh Brolin is having with that character, mm. the fact that he's always making weird sexual references to things <laughs> with the frozen bananas and the bit where he's asking about if they've had sex and he's just constantly pushing his finger into his other fingers. And the always classic Moto Panakeku. And the Moto Panakeku is, is just beautiful. <laughs> it, it's wacky Felix's reaction to it all. Uh, but then... The wacky Phoenix reaction to the picture of the baby. Yeah. yeah. Oh. When he looks oh, the God, picture. yeah. The, ah! Oh, yeah. Because that's It's... It's fantastic. I'm really looking forward to, actually... I didn't realise it was it was based on a book. I probably should have with it being as weird as it is. Um, but I'm looking forward to... I've got that queued up to read after I've finished Norwegian Wood, which I've got queued up to watch after I've finished reading yeah. it. It's, I just it, I'm doing Harry Vice the wrong way around, really. Yeah, it, it's it's so sad that it didn't it didn't hit and it didn't connect with people. Um, Did it not? Was it not well received? It was well received, but it didn't make money. It did it did the usual PTA thing, didn't it? It was yeah. like really fantastically well reviewed and then did fuck all. But it's not a, it's not commercial at it, all. Even it? It, that the thing is, there's that, but I also think that it wasn't critically well as well received because. Because it is, it's Paul Thomas Anderson having fun. It's mm. not serious Paul Thomas Anderson. And I, I think the, the people who were raised on Paul Thomas Anderson movies post There Will Be Blood. Mm. So There Will Be Blood and um, The Master and Friend, they can get behind those because he's this auteur filmmaker who makes these really thinky and really heavy weighty pieces forget that he's also the guy that made fucking boogie nights yeah and it's like the people who were introduced to paul thomas anderson through fucking boogie nights were there going all right fuck yeah all right (laughs) i'm liking this i'm digging in just this guy floating around i'm digging the fact that it's two and a bit hours long and you've got to really fucking invest some time in it mm. and you know it'll get better on a few watches it's it's maybe want to re-watch boogie nights i always want to re-watch um mm. and yeah it, it's a hell of a thing it's inherent vice it really i, I am looking forward to in 10 years time when people start going Do you know what inherent vice is a fucking great movie and then i go yeah Fucking I fucking think. know. It was my number one movie of that year. There's not, there's not a single in that movie. 
at all. It is tight as fuck. Yeah. It's so well made. Yeah, but there's, there's just every performance in it as well. Yeah, Beast of Beast and Altoro turning up um, <laughs> and going, you know, clients pay me for things, clients pay me for these services. <laughs> but like even the little bit part, like um, oh god, is it Jen Malone? Yeah. She's barely in it, but she's memorable. Jade is memorable. The the, the Jen Malone thing was 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 it was that year that like eight and nine months she had where she was barely in things. But was it barely in a few really good movies? <laughs> was that Neon Demon and there was something else that she was barely in? I need to rewatch Neon Demon. Every time I think it, I'm like, ugh. Why? Because I, I don't. I don't think I liked it. Well, you're a fool. But then I'm, I'm, am I just misremembering it, or is it just that it has a really? I don't know. I can't remember. We need to rewatch Neon Demon. It's got sleazy Keanu Reeves in it. I don't like her. No, you don't. So you can't just judge it on the fact that you don't like the character. What's she fucking called? It's uh, Elle Fanning. Fanning, yeah. She always looks like she needs some vitamin C tablets. She looks like she's got a bad cold. That's 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 a fair point. It is a fair point, that, actually, yeah. Uh, yeah, Inherent Vice is, is a fucking stone-cold fucking masterpiece. It is, yeah. Yeah, just purely for Bigfoot on his own, shouting little panakeko. And then just fucking kicking his door in and just chowing down on all that fucking weed and disappearing. <laughs> that, that is. But that bit's really kind of sad. It is. It's like obviously going through some shit. Or the phone call. When he rings him up and says, oh, we went to the what is it? And she's gone. Yeah. <laughs> she's gone. And I say, what you say to me? It's like, she's gone. She's not there. We can't find her. Like, what? Is she dead or not? She's gone. <laughs> he just keeps repeating it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it really is a heck of a thing. Yeah. So what I would say there, people, is if you remember watching her advice and you weren't quite convinced by it, please give it another go. I and implore if, you. If, if by any remote chance you haven't seen it, fucking watch it. Yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, right. Our iTunes 99p rental of the week. Film that I've actually been nattering at you to watch for ages, isn't it? I'm looking for a missing person. Have either of you gentlemen... I'm assuming I can use the word gentleman. Have you seen him? No, I, I ain't seen him. Have you seen him? Well, what do you do? He ran away from the nursing home I work at. Why, have you seen him? Nursing, so you got some kind of reward? No. What are you, you bounty hunter? Would I be a bounty hunter if I just said there's no bounty? No. What are you, his sister? Monitor or something? Not that it's any of your business, but I care about him and he's alone and I want to find maybe. him. Maybe. Yeah, maybe? Maybe what? Well, maybe he's alone. Maybe he ain't alone. You know, you don't know. What if he's living the American dream and, you know, he just uh, ran into a bunch of hitchhikers, you know, like Mark Twain story or something? Mm-hmm. You like Mark Twain? Thank you. You like Louis L'Amour? You got a phone number? <laughs> yeah, I got a phone number. Yeah, you ain't gonna give it to me? So if I find him, what you want me to do? Just haul it for you? Yeah, just do that. Yeah? You got a name? Yeah, I got a name. What is it? Eleanor. Eleanor. <laughs> All right, partner. Come back.
The peanut butter falcon is... <laughs> well, yeah, what was that? Yeah. Me make a nattering hand gesture at you. Could you could you not do that again, please, you disrespectful <laughs> piece of shit? You do it to me all the time. You witter a lot. <laughs> it is written directed by Tyler Nilsson and Michael Schwartz. We're not talking to you, we aren't friends. <laughs> don't look at me. And it stars uh, The Beef, um, <laughs> Zach Goltenschlag, um, that's not even the right name. <laughs> Got Sagan. <laughs> Fucking hell, Mark. What was that? I took a phone because I couldn't see it properly. You need to get your eyes tested again. I do, yeah. Um, Brewster, John Hawks, Thomas Hayden Church, Leah Wolf, and Dakota Johnson. I mean, that doesn't even say Leia Wolf, does it? it Yale Wolf. Yale Wolf, yeah. That's what I said. You said Leia Wolf, like nah. Beowulf, but... Nah. Yeah, and Dakota Johnson. Um, <laughs> Zach... Leia Wolf. Can I continue? <laughs> Zach is a 22-year-old Down Syndrome sufferer uh, who... Because of, well, happenstance, his family essentially have abandoned him, really, haven't they? Uh, and the state don't have anywhere for him to go. He ends up in a retirement home um, where all of the patrons obviously are above a certain age. Uh, he doesn't like the fact that he is around just old people all the time. So with the help of Bruce Durham, uh, he escapes um, and goes on a quest to go and find the wrestling school of the Saltwater Redneck, played by Thomas Hayden Church. At the same time, he runs into Shia LaBeouf's Tyler, who is currently on the run from John Hawks for setting fire to all of his fishing equipment. Uh, Ian, the peanut butter falcon. Thoughts, please. So, So yeah, I complain a lot about the films that are uh, well at, at around lff time about the the films that are on the the press site for um streaming and the peanut but- butter falcon was one of them last year and then it disappeared like i'm assuming because it got distribution so the the, the people the production company didn't want it on there anymore because it got distribution and i'm really annoyed about that because if i saw the peanut butter falcon last year i'm pretty sure it would have been in my top five of the year and it 100 percent would have been in my top 100 of the decade um i fucking adored this film um i would have happily have re-watched it again straight after um it it's got that slightly kind of magical realist kind of i mean it I, the setting kind of helped with this as well, but it very much reminded me of Beasts of the Southern Wild, which reminded me how much I need to rewatch the Be- uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild. Um, but the, the I love the fact that the ty- the 
the film's namesake is his wrestling alter ego. <laughs> I fucking adore that. I love the fact that Shia LaBeouf's character not once talks down to him. Yep. Um, you know, Dakota Johnson doesn't really either. She's just caring for him. But but I even, just to quickly jump in a second, mm. uh, I even like the fact that you get that little inter-exchange um, where she... She does care about him, but within that care, she does kind of over the best phrase to use it is mothering. Yeah, no. Yeah, and and the fact that the, the way that it's done as well in that scene where Shia LaBeouf comes up very quickly with an idea so he he can't hear it and basically chews her out about it. Yeah. Um, is really good, and then when she responds with by saying, "Right, okay, I take what you're saying, but also remember this," and he doesn't argue with it he goes no you're right yeah fair enough but his point is still valid yeah, yeah. No, I, I, absolutely I mean, it's the fact I, I i love that the characters in this film uh like you know dead I, I suppose with the shia labeouf character it, it's he starts off and he's on quite a like a bad trail and it's like what you know what is causing all of this and it it, it was just like a, a, a one bad situation that's led him to be in this in in the circumstances that he's in but it doesn't make him a bad guy and obviously they they, they have that discussion about like are you a bad guy or a good guy um but i i, I like that shia labeouf doesn't take over the um the, the the film really there um i will also say as well from a production point of view i think that um the the way that shia labeouf like obviously helps Zach through the for like through some of the scenes uh it, it feels very natural like the the way he just like Zach might be saying the the the, the wrong thing every now and then and then Shia kind of like thinks of a quick way of kind of like re like rephrasing it and then that kicks him in it, it's I, I I I think that's really nice, and it, it shows that Shia LaBeouf is a very very human performer. Well, apparently the the, the rule number one thing oh, um, yeah. that was apparently came up on the spot because um, Gott Sagan couldn't come up with a he couldn't remember which one was rule number one. He knew both he knew the rules, but couldn't remember which one was rule number one. So just as a joke, said party. Um, and Shia LaBeouf turned around and goes, well, no, rules are not part of it. It turns back round. And the, the bit, literally, after that, Shia LaBeouf is just in fucking tears of laughter and can't stop laughing. And yeah. that's when they started putting it back into the movie. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it, it went down to the point of where something like, every so often, um, Shia LaBeouf would just turn around and shout, what's rule number one? Party. And it literally, it was like the, it, it, the end of every day's shoot or something like that that's what Shia LaBeouf would show <laughs> no, I mean, that, that, that was the moment I paused the film and then texted you guys and said have you guys watched the Peanut Butter Falcon yet it is charming in all caps lock it was that moment because you fucking knew that that wasn't supposed to happen and they just went with it and it was just a human moment and they left it there um, yeah I, I I just I, I, the thing is even like at the end they fake you out with Shia LaBeouf dying and I was like if it ends like this 
it is gonna harsh my buzz like i don't i don't need i I just i need the film to not end that way and then it doesn't apparently the the studio executives wanted it to and the has absolutely refused no i mean it's no it's the right decision was made yeah yeah and it is the, the right decision was yeah 100 you know they're just they're driving to florida they're gonna be like three kind of outlaws all together they're gonna go on adventures and i'm sad i'm not gonna see it i fucking loved this film uh what do you guys think interpretation of that ending was well square edged though wasn't it you were like i'm sure she's just taking him to a facility in florida that's not what i said no i said i'm sure she's registered as his carer that's not you said you were, you said she was taking him to a no, facility okay. in florida you did i said he's registered as his carer nah. yes i did Bollocks. anyway what do you think rebecca i don't think they've just run away no the film in general <laughs> To be fair, I thought they run away. I thought it was just that magical realist thing of now they're going to just go off and have adventures. Adventures, yeah. <laughs> um, pretty much the same. To be fair, it's it's a delightful film. It's um, it's really really fucking heartwarming. The fact that he 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 never condescends to him. Mm. He never. You never kind of get this feeling that he feels like he has to look after him. He's just kind of taking him along with him. Like, he does look after him, but in the same way that they're both kind of looking after each other. Like, you go get that, I'll do this, blah, blah, blah. So it's... And obviously, Dakota Johnson, when she catches up with them, starts, like, treating him like a child again. And it's like, no, he's he's been out here doing this and he's got this far without being treated like a baby. Look maybe pay attention to what he can do rather than what he, can he can't do. Yeah. And the fact that um <laughs> the fact that um Shiloh Bo uh, has that conversation with her while making him dunk his head in the water <laughs> and then she goes back at him while making him dunk his head in the water and then he comes out with a fucking hand caught fish. <laughs> <laughs> kind of there's, a, there's a great bit where the second time he puts his head in the fish swims by and he sees yeah. his head <laughs> but the fact that, that, that Shiloh Burke is just like no come on fucking stop it stop treating him that way stop talking to him like that and just kind of sticks up for him and, and gets her to view him as a human being that yeah can't do everything but can do an awful lot more than she's giving him credit for. And, and it kind of makes her wake up and view him in a different way. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm the same as you guys. I, 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 it, it, it is very charming. It, it, I think it's a fantastic film. I think, um, I think it's weird that more hasn't been made of this movie. Yeah, yeah. 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 Even, no. To be fair... It quietly was one of the most successful indie films in the US last year. It might have been the most successful. It was, it was the most successful indie yeah. movie in, in the States last year. Um, but it was, Shadowbirth's performance in it is is fantastic. That that scene where um, he's asking him where the, where the wrestling thing comes from, where they're, they're, they're sat down at, at night and um, Zach Ross is, is, is laid down. Shiloh Buff's like rolling his cigarette and he's saying, why, why do you want to be the bad guy? He's like, because I can't do anything. And he's like, what? And he basically convinces him, no, you need to be the fucking good guy. No, it's because his family deserves it. Yeah, deserves my parents. Birth anything, yeah. My parents left me, yeah, yeah. And he's like, and, and, 
Shia Buff, he, he's very much an actor that seems to be able to tap into shit. Mm. And, and isn't afraid to kind of like admit that he can tap into shit. Mm. But his, his delivery there, he never goes too over the top. He gets extra points for the fact that he punches a child in the face, which is always a wonderful really thing. That, I love oh. that bit. Um, but yeah, but just like straight away, you get that sense of when he goes back for him. Yeah. When he not go back for him, he goes back, but when he sees him and he's like, what the fuck are they doing? He can't swim. Yeah. And he's like, say that kid, he can't swim. He can't swim. And he jumps straight in through him. And then he, he doesn't, like you say, he isn't taking him along because he thinks something might happen to him. He's taking him along because, do you know what? Why not? Mm. You know, but there is that. They're going the same way. Why he, he does start looking after him. He does start, what is it? But he, he says, you know, he literally says to him, you know, I'm going to take you on. You can come along with me, but you have to pull your own weight. Yeah. But then he doesn't just use him as a pack horse. He gives him the bag straight away. But then, then, like, a few minutes later, he's got the backpack back on him. So he's not just using him. Mm. It's, there's a, a sense of, he starts to go, do you know what? I'm going to look after this kid. And even when they get to the, the Thomas Hayden church bit, and he goes up and he's basically saying to him, look, I know you don't need to do this, but fucking just please do this for me. And then when he fucking turns up in the car. That's amazing. Oh, if, if I was in this, mate, if I was in the cinema, I would have stood up and applauded at yeah. that. I, I, I love the fact that, that there's, hard, there's hardly any outright most people in this movie are good people yeah there's a couple of arseholes yeah um the two arseholes that shadow fucks over you can kind of go do you know what their reaction is extreme but they have have a point to make Mm. the the out samson the wrestler arsehole is just a fucking arsehole i love the fact that when um because it's said to him aren't he um salt water said to him you have to say the meanest thing that comes into your head yeah and when he sort of like goes and then said the meanest thing that can comes into his head it's you're not invited to my birthday party yeah <laughs> it's there's just there's a wonder there's a a, a brilliance to it all mm. it, it's it's not cynical cinema it's not trying to tell you off it's not exploitative either, no it's not exploitative it, it, it's it's not just telling the story from his point of view as well. It's mm. not It's not trying to create a magical out of this world. Look at what people, this person can do with, you know, with the hand that he was dealt. Yeah, yeah. And trying to over-egg the pudding or anything like I that. I mean, he does lift up that really big wrestler. But I think he it. could have lifted up that really big fucking wrestler. <laughs> you know, th- there's that. It's, it's a really... He's really strong. He is really fucking strong. It's just a really beautiful yeah. film, you know. Um, the thing is, like you're saying, if they had killed him off at the end, it would have all that kind of good feeling it's built up throughout the rest of the film. It would have felt cynical. It would have gone. It would have felt like a cheap shot. Yeah, it would, yeah. Yeah, whereas it doesn't, them going off and having more adventures with this weird little dysfunctional family. Yeah. It, that makes sense. You know, the fact that they're, they're clearly going off and it's like... And it, it, the weird thing is it infers that she doesn't need that job. Mm, yeah. So you get the feeling where she's basically gone, do you know ah, what? Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's this bit off scene where she's gone to John Hawks and gone, there's your $12,000 now, leave us the fuck alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, that it, it's... 
there's a question we've got later on, and Dakota Johnson will come up in that question later on. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think she's also fantastic in it. Mm, she is. But yeah. she's Dakota Johnson, so mm. you know. Definitely not shit. Definitely not shit. I, I, yeah, I, I, I mean, agrees for you in uh, that. would be my top ten of the year, and I seen it last year. Yeah, it's just one of the fucking warmest films I've seen, and I don't know how long it it, it knocked me for six. Uh, this did. It, it's like like Bruce Dern at the start, just very very entertaining. I mean, Thomas Hayden Church, man. It's great to see him in something, and and then just the fact that they actually had real wrestlers in the end as well. Wasn't it like Jake the Snake and Mick Foley were yep. were in it towards the end as well? Like that's that's brilliant. You know why not? Let's just have that kind of real edge to it there as well. Um, yeah, lovely, lovely fucking film, lovely. Yeah. Um, audience poll definitely not shit sixty percent, touching cloth twenty percent, and shit twenty percent. Hmm. Like personally offended by that. Well, yeah, but, slightly. Um, questions. I have a couple. Uh, John Dangerfield. Uh, when will you do a film bastards watch along like Secret Sofa Cinema did? We want to do like so. What John's referring to there, I believe, is essentially like uh, us watching a film and putting it out like publicly at the same time so that people can watch along and comment. Um, want to do that it's aligning schedules um would, would love to do that it, it's just between recording this and the nolan commentaries at the moment it's kind of a sticky wicket to try and fit a third evening of recording in um but we'll we'll see what we can do yeah suggest some films for us and we'll put it to a vote yeah we'll do yeah, it there you go. certainly it's certainly what we've talked about doing um if it gets fucking delayed then we've got all the time in the world so you know yeah uh, Rick Kidd, at Rick J. Kidd. If you had to choose one actor or actress whose future films were the only films you could watch from now on, who would you pick? Whose judgment would you trust? I'm going to add a minor change to this. You can have one from each. So you can have an actor and an actress. No, that's not, that's not his question. Right, well, I'm changing it. And I'm hosting the week, so. I've got my two. The beef would be up there, to be fair. He's making some real interesting choices at the moment. Shall we go? That's your guy one. I can go out with mine straight away. Male, Jake Gyllenhaal. Mm, yeah. If you're making solid, really good, interesting films. What's he done for you lately, though? For, um, for like the past 10 years now. You know, longer post Zodiac, with the exception of maybe Prince of Persia. His output's not super high, though. No, maybe but a bit still. But yeah, but you, but you can either do that or you can go fucking Nick Cage and just have <laughs> shite all the time. Um, and female would be Dakota Johnson because oh, she, because a she's an absolute fucking delight to watch, and b her intro, the output she puts out is really fucking interesting. She is an actress who only does stuff that she wants to fucking do. Doesn't need the money. She'll just do whatever she wants. And I like the fact that she basically doesn't like to do promotional stuff because she just doesn't like people knowing anything about her. Yeah. You know, yeah Dylan Hall's a good shout as well, actually. Yeah, so that'd be my mm-hmm. two. Ian? Um, Adam Driver and Saoirse Ronan. 
I'm mean, an actress. I don't like so much. To be fair, I probably just skip actress. Because you're a bit catty, aren't you? I'm not catty. I'll have, I'll have another pick from you then, Florence Pugh. See, catty. I just don't like her. <laughs> oh, Florence like, Pugh, you crush me <laughs> with your thighs. Thank you very much. Oh, I actually saw a thread uh, today on Twitter because you know she she quite often and she shouldn't have to do this comes out to defend her relationship with Zach Braff, right? Mm. There was a thread where people actually started having a go at Zach Braff for the fact that he never comes out to defend it, um, and basically said, "Is this?" And it started out. I said, well, "Why isn't Zach Braff always coming out to defend it?" And as the thread went along and further down, it basically like, these people had decided that it was clearly an abusive relationship where he had, where he was condescending to her and making it. She had to defend everything. And it thought, "Hang on a minute, you've defended her <laughs> at the start of it, <laughs> and said, so, why does she need to?'" And then by the end of it, doing exactly the thing <laughs> that you're defending her for doing. I, 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 sorry, go on. No, I was just saying, he's supposed to be a really nice guy, isn't he? Like, why should she not be with it? I don't care. Is I honestly, I, I think she just had a crush on him watching Scrubs when she was younger, went out to Hollywood, was introduced to him, and it was like, yeah, I'll fuck JD from Scrubs, why not? And it probably went from that. Good yeah. on her. She, she, she literally, she literally, uh, has said in an interview, not many people get to um, meet, find out he's great and date their crush they had in high school. Oh, You know, I, what I always put out, why do people give a shit? They're both adults, they're both of yeah. legal age, why do people give a shit? Is it because of the age difference? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's 100% the age difference. Yeah. Cool. I always put, I always, so how old's Chris Martin? Chris Martin and Dakota Johnson are probably about four or five years apart. Really? Who the fuck's Chris Martin? Who's Chris Martin going out with? Dakota Johnson. Is he really? Yeah, they've been together for like three, four years now. Shut the fuck up! Really? Yeah, because she, he, she literally does not do any interviews where they talk about her personal life. She literally will sit and refuse to answer questions. <laughs> I'd love to watch that. Well, she basically chewed Ellen out, didn't she? That time. That was about her birthday party. Yeah. 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 I'd love to know, but I'd love to see the interview footage of us ever sat there and going, oh, so you're dating Chris Martin? No. Oh, so, um, you know, I just wanted to ask you some questions about it. No. She literally does that. I, but I want to see footage. Yeah. I think that'd be amusing. Or she just gets up and just walks out. Nice. But has it written in? But they can't use that footage <laughs> because she's previously stated, I will talk about the thing that I am here to talk about. I will not discuss my private life. Mm. Yeah. Apparently, I really like that. Chris apparently, Dakota Johnson. Good, good on the both of them. Apparently, during an interview for... Um, He's punching a bit there, though, isn't he? During a promotional bit for um, the last... Fifty Shades movie. Mm. Somebody asked her about the Chris Martin thing mm. in one of the little room bits, and her response was, "When was the last time you had a dick in your ass?" To the <laughs> interviewer, <laughs> and she just went, "What?" She went, "Oh, sorry, if we're just allowed to ask really personal questions, um, you know, 
we're talking about a movie where there's a lot of sex in it. I want the last time to dick in your ass. And it was, and it was like, uh, uh, it's not nice, is it? Continue. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but this, that woman gives zero fucks. Oh, zero <laughs> and it's kind of beautiful. So hang on. So Don Johnson is potentially going to be Chris Martin's father-in-law. Uh, apparently might even already be. Oh, wowee. Good, yeah. for, good for both of them. Fucking hell. That is new information and I couldn't be happier. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what are we covering next week then, guys? Man, I killed Don Quixote. Yep. Fuck yeah. Yep. Been wanting to watch that for ages. Cool. Wait, ages. Cool, 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 cool. Amelie. Rewatch. Yay. Casino. I'm very much looking forward to rewatching Casino. Phantasm 2. <laughs> now, you just need to get yourselves a 4K TV, a 4K Blu-ray player, and a copy of Casino. <laughs> I've done that scout before next week. we could watch it oh, so that it doesn't look like a cheap BBC production. Anyway, the man who killed Don Quixote <laughs> is two hours, 12 minutes long. That's fine, fine with that. I'm fine with hanging out in Terry Gilliam's world for two hours, 12 Mildly problematic, Terry Gilliam. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, uh, it's an interesting cast, and it'll be fun to see what the fuck he. Um... Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the movie actually looks like that he's been trying to make for twenty odd years. Yeah, I'm keen. Yeah. Um, right. So that is episode three hundred and forty-six. Uh, we thank you very much for joining us, and uh, don't forget to check out we are Pod Syndicate. Uh, don't forget to check out our Patreon where you can give us $2 a month and we will give you much joy. Um, what? No. You're just very gesticulating. I'm a gesticulating man. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so thank you very much for listening, guys, uh, and we shall see you next week. Bye, everyone. I'm, I'm currently looking at pictures of Chris Martin and Dakota Johnson visiting Disneyland with Chris Martin's kids. This is just lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Bye everyone. <laughs> oh, that was a good show, that one. Chris Martin just looks like a really good dad. He's just got his arm around his kids all the time. The thing is with Chris Martin is you get the feeling he is just a really nice guy. I mean, I've met him a few times. I've got pissed with him once. Yeah. Yep. In plonkers. Oh yeah, they did the video hand washing video, didn't they? Did they? I uh, yeah, um, it's Dakota Johnson with a hands guy in the back, Chris Martin walking his hands. Oh, I'm not with Chris Martin, thanks. But that shit. I just got to that, can you? Thrown like a star, my vast if I opened my eyes to take a peek. To find that I was by the sea, gazing with tranquility. Just then, when the healthy girl in man came singing songs of love. Then when the hurdy gurdy man came singing Of ages 
Exodus cast down through all eternity the crying of humanity. Tis then when the hurdy gurdy man comes singing songs of love. Then when the hurdy gurdy man comes singing songs of love. Syndicate.com.